Hello, and welcome to the Aguilar Conversations, a global perspective. I'm Tony Aguilar. On today's podcast, artificial intelligence has been in existence for decades, but as it has become more advanced, is it still a benefit to society or has it become a clear and present danger? Joining me from the United Kingdom is Dr. Davith Townley, teaching fellow for the University of Portsmouth University, and he is the author of The Year of Intelligence in the United States. Dr. Townley, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. Let me ask you this as, as a first question. Um, John McCarthy, who many considered to be one of the founding fathers of artificial intelligence, had said in his article, Excribing Mental Qualities to Machines, and he said, machines as simple as thermostats can be said to have beliefs, and having beliefs seem to be a characteristic of most machines capable of problem-solving performance. Now, some people did push back on that. But as you hear some of the concerns that are being raised across the globe today, was John McCarthy right? Um, well, I suppose it depends on which perspective you look from. So I, I suppose from a, a, a computer science stroke philosophy perspective, he is probably quite right in transferring um, what is essentially programming into uh, a, 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 almost a, a sentient knowledge, shall we say, a, 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 um, an existence or an aware self-awareness. But um, I, I would I would be hard-pressed to say that that it's little more than c- computer programming. But then what is what is artificial intelligence other than really computer programming or a, a, a far more advanced computer program than we've experienced in the past? So I, I suspect in some ways, yes, he's right, but I, 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 I prefer to say no. I, I don't think my thermostat is going to uh, try and take over the world. Uh, let, let's put it that way. But there is a lot of controversy today around artificial intelligence, particularly in the last couple of months. We have some of our congresspersons here in the United States talking about it, particularly Congressman Seth Bolton. Um, there's an open AI letter that's gone out that calls for a six-month uh, moratorium on research in AI. Uh, a letter that came out that really talked about we should look at mitigating factors for AI because it can destroy humanity. I mean, there's a lot of perhaps chicken little verbiage going on, but how accurate are they in their concerns? Um, well, I, I suppose they are accurate to, to one extent that artificial, artificial intelligence does have the potential to destroy humanity and destroy the world. Uh, but then, you know, one might look at climate and, and suggest that humanity is doing a particularly good job of that on its own, to be quite honest. Um, but uh, I, 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 I talk with a lot of cyber experts, shall we say, in, in my research, and there is a mixture between those who are genuinely concerned about the future of AI um, and those who are, are, you know, not too nonplussed or rather confident that, that AI can be used in a, uh, in a way that, is, that benefits humanity, I, I would put it that way. I'm also slightly dubious or, or, or questioning the timing of this, or this concern. It's, we have, as you said, 
at the start of, of, of the conversation, you, you stated that AI has been around for decades, and it has. Um, and, and we've had three major milestones in the last 25, 26 years. Uh, 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 Deep Blue beating Gary Kasparov at, at chess, for example. Uh, uh, G- uh, um, AI winning uh, Jeopardy against the host champions in 2011, I think it was. And then um, most recently, AlphaGo beating uh, Lee Seidel uh, 4-1 in, in, uh, at, at, the, uh, at, the, uh, in, at the Chinese game Go, which many consider to be really significant milestones. Uh, uh, maybe the introduction of... Chat GPT four, which is, I think, has been the real driver behind the conversations that are going on at the moment, um, is simply because AI is now becoming more accessible to those that maybe don't have an understanding or appreciation of what AI can do, um, and that is maybe a concern. And, and I, I think we've sort of, with, with the restrictions that many. Congressmen in the U.S. are looking to uh, uh, to place is is really to use an English term. It's 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 closing the, the barn door after the horse horse is bolted. It's out there already. It's how we use it that is that is important. Now, but the European Union is taking some action against artificial intelligence, and the U.K. itself is probably third in the world behind the United States and China in terms of its innovations in AI. So in general, what is the EU trying to do to harness this? And more specifically, what is the United Kingdom, in particular England, looking to do? Well, actually, our Prime Minister, uh, uh, Rishi Sunak, is, is, is in the US at the moment, actually talking to President Biden about, amongst this sort of this issues. And it's one area in which Biden and Sunak really do differ in their in their attitude. So, um, and, and I don't think it comes from a from a um, from a difference of where they are within the political spectrum. Biden is quite concerned about artificial intelligence and, and what that believes regulations should be brought in. Sunak is is a little bit more. Uh, he's a bit more laissez-faire, shall we say? He's a bit more hands-off. He doesn't want that restriction. Um, EU is really leading the way, I think, in terms of um, specific regulations aimed at restricting um, uh, the uh, the use of AI, not the development of it, but the use of it. And in that respect, I think that that's um, that's quite unique around the globe. Although saying that, China is also introducing a lot of AI regulation, or is trying to introduce that AI regulation, but in that way, it's in in some ways, it's trying to legitimise its use uh, of, of using the AI uh, uh, by the uh, Chinese government. So, I would say that there's there's a variety of different approaches to this, um, and I think the the I, personally, I think that there is already enough legislation to deal with AI out there. It's about how that legislation is applied. It's already having norms of how nations should interact against each other. It's about enforcing or penalising those that don't use it. And I think that's where many of the different nations uh, uh, vary in their approaches to the restriction and on legislation. Now, in your book, A Year of Intelligence in the United States, 
You raised several points. One is the constant tension between, let's say, national security and privacy. The other one is the idea of whether or not public opinion can influence these policies. And two and three, whether or not the general population is actually informed enough to make that kind of an opinion. Where do those points fit with artificial intelligence? Um, I, I honestly don't think that they are a major concern to the general public um, at the moment. It does it for many. They don't see AI as being a huge influence on their lives. But I keep asking people, you know, how do we visualize AI? How do we see AI actually manifesting itself? And the 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 we tend to turn to science fiction when we think of how AI is is going to going to manifest itself. So you might think of, for example, yeah, Isaac Asimov. Um, yeah, Hal Nine Thousand in two thousand and one. You know, uh, or are we thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator? Or mm. I, I I like to think of it as a um, uh, possibly along the lines of uh, 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 Anna de character in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Joy, the sort of the, the virtual assistant. That's how I'd like to see it, but it's that's not down to me. Uh, that's down. To, that's down to the developers, but I think the general public is is not there as far as their knowledge of it. Um, it I think that uh, there's been some good education, uh, especially amongst, for example, the Senate hearings or House hearings over the last few weeks um, that have started to raise awareness. But um, there is so much that is still speculation, and it is it is talked about in a very small community, and it's until. And I raise this in the book, and, I, and actually, it's, I, I'm mirroring uh, another uh, academic uh, theory, gentleman uh, Professor Locke Johnson, that until there is an almighty scandal, uh, until there is a, a huge disaster of some sort, that there will not be the political uh, capital to introduce huge changes to national security policy of any sort. And I think that will be the same with AI until something goes severely wrong. Um, these AI laboratories, shall we say, are going to have the upper hand as far as Congress and uh, in, in the United States and Parliament and UK is concerned. Now, in your book, I want to stay with your book for a minute. You you are looking at the year 1975 when the Church Committee uh, committee looked at the intelligence agencies as institutions now use AI. Where should the public be? Because, for example, I know in different parts of the United States, for example, New York City Police Department, Los Angeles Police Department, have been using technologies such as facial recognition. Uh, there's such thing as predictive algorithms that begin to predict crime. That raises a lot of issues. ACLU has, has raised a lot of these issues. So how can you inform the public about what this can do? Because even though they may not be that concerned about it, it's there and it's a part of their life, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. That's that's right. And we're getting into the realms of, again, to use it more science fiction, we're getting into the realms of the minority report where people can predict the future and, and make those arrests before that happened. And, and there's a huge outcry, I'm sure you're aware, uh, in this country, 
recently uh, when people were arrested at the coronation for planning to, or not even planning, but for simply assembling to to protest at the coronation. So they hadn't actually committed a crime. Um, I, I think it's important that we have this public debate. Uh, we have this public debate about these things. And the the big issue, especially around uh, facial recognition, uh, is about the bias within the information that is assembled. So, uh, uh, you know, AI learns from the information that it gathers, and if that information has bias, then it is going to give a biased answer. And that's why we see um, when it comes to predictive policing um, that, uh, uh, you know, there tends to be a great deal of more police or more crime predicted to um, uh, to be committed within non-white areas, shall we say, mm. uh, in communities or, or non-white affluent areas. And that's because that, that bias, that information is biased towards that. And so the police tend to go towards those areas. So naturally, uh, naturally, there are more arrests in those areas, which reaffirms the bias or confirms the bias. So... I think that there is needs to be a huge discussion uh, in public about this, uh, uh, and people need to be aware of the application of AI. Um, the technology itself, I don't have an issue with the technology. I, I tend to have an issue with how it might be applied and by who's applying it. Um, it there's, you know, suggestions that we have the machine in the loop rather you know rather than the human in the loop well I, I i think that that's ai should be a tool that we use not one that we leave to run um without supervision of any sorts and and that's where the danger should be do, do you think for example going back to some of the ceos that have raised concerns some of the skeptics of that suggest well, let's think about this for a minute. You guys have the wherewithal to actually do a moratorium or to slow it down. So there is some skepticism about why they are raising the issue. And the second question is, does it raise the issue that perhaps AI is a lot further along than the general population actually is aware of? Or maybe even our legislators are actually aware of? Well, I certainly think it's further along than legislators are aware of. I mean, I'll put that out there straight away now. I mean, and, and and that's only to be expected because unless they come from, you know, legislators come from a particularly computer science background, what they are going to learn is 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 only enough for them to make decisions about. They're not going to, you know, they might do in their committee assignments uh, uh, become specialised in certain aspects of it, but the majority of them will be. Uh, 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 completely, it will be alien to them. Uh, I have a suspicion, um, and I and I do do share with a lot of the critics that the timing of this um, is as much as anything else. Sorry, the, the letter that came out uh, last week from from the AI labs is as much to actually avoid congressional oversight and regulation. Um, they, they've even they've even said to themselves, you know, said that. You know, um, uh, uh, you know, Altman, for example, said, said that Sam Altman uh, of uh, OpenAI, which is the company that uh, developed ChatGPT for, mm. said that the AI industry should be the one to regulate AI. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm a historian at heart, 
uh, and by training. And I can't think of an instance where self-regulation has worked, uh, not to the benefit of society. So I have extreme suspicion about that. Um, and I also have extreme, extreme suspicion that it, this comes on the back of a lot of congressional discussion about AI. This didn't come before the discussion. This came as a result of the discussion. Um, and I think that, the, that, um, that you know, is, if it, is it developed further along than the public is concerned? It's difficult to say. I'm not with. I'm not behind those closed doors. Um, but you know, you speak to most um, AI uh, and computer scientists that are, that are involved in AI, and the jump from the previous version of ChatGPT to ChatGPT four has surprised them at how much more it can do. Their biggest concern is what happens, what what is going to be capable with ChatGPT five. And how soon does ChatGPT five come in? And at what point are we looking towards what is called artificial general intelligence, this self-aware computer entity that that, that is essentially can exist without humanity or, or enslaving humanity, possibly? Um, that that's the concern: is how far along uh, they are, or how far along that will be, and we're not sure of that yet. If we go to, we had mentioned before, Isaac Asimov and his three laws for robotics and robots should not harm humans. They should take orders from humans. But there was also the third one, which is self-preservation. And if uh, McCarthy is correct about the feelings and being aware, how much of a danger is that? to humanity? I mean, that's a very broad question, but it is something that's being raised as a concern by some of these CEOs and by some congressional leaders. Absolutely. And and here we do get into the realms of Skynet and Terminator and so on. I mean, there, there was, um, we had the US Air Force colonel last week, it was last week or the week before, I'm not quite sure, who, who, um, supposedly revealed that in a simulation um, an AI drone had turned on and, and destroyed its handler because it, 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 risked, it assessed that its handler was a risk to its own existence. And this has been very much um, uh, denied by the US Air Force after this was revealed publicly, but one suspects that maybe in simulations this has happened. Um, I... It's difficult, and again, we, we can even then take that step then even further towards the sort of two thousand and one, you know, how nine thousand, you know, refusing to open the pod bay doors and protect himself and so on. I, I think we're quite a way away from that at the moment, but but I mean, I'm no spring chicken, but it, it will probably happen in my lifetime at some point that we will get to that point. Again, it's about how we teach these. Um, learning uh, learning models about how we teach these artificial intelligence to, to think. Can we install in them a set of values that is, and this is a word that I've come to uh, um, uh, really dislike over the last few months because I see it written everywhere, but how it must be aligned uh, with human ideals. Can we align AI with human uh, objectives? And I think that that's, that's really important. We, we We've got the technology already, and to suggest that we take a moratorium, as, as the 
um, the AI labs uh, recommended, it, you know, no country is going to do that. Any country that it is in, that is in competition with another, uh, technologically, you, you know, the Americans didn't stop during the 1960s with, you know, with the race to the moon and say, well, hold on, let's, let's give it six months. It was, no, we've got to get there first. Uh, and it's going to be the same with AI. Uh, you know, any nation that decides to put a hold on it while it's adversary, especially one that's as technologically advanced like China, um, is, is going to be investing heavily in it, is really handing the initiative to its, its international competitor. And, and, and it's signing its own, um, I almost said death warrant, but it's signing its own, um, uh, 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 yeah, well, I suppose it is death, death warrant is the right phrase. It, it will essentially uh, give over its position in the world to China. I mean, this raises a whole lot of questions, and you as an historian, you, you've studied this for a while now. So the question is, how concerned are you about where we are now with AI, but also its potential in your lifetime? And is there something that, from a moral perspective, we want to be able to do? I mean, there's a difference between being able to do something, but the question is, therefore, should you? Yeah, I think we're, I think we're a bit late on you know on that question, that last question. Should we build it? Should it come before? Can we build it? Uh, and uh, uh, or actually, should it come before we have built it? Uh, I think that's the important thing. I, I'm I keep thinking that it's a long way off, um, but then I keep sort of remind myself of the development of mobile phones between say 1995 and the current current, current uh, date and the you know the transformation in technology the the use of social media uh, and i think information in, uh, is an increasingly powerful weapon in the social media age uh, even more so in the past i think the, the, the fact that it can change opinions so quickly um and my major concern is with the use of AI to spread um, false information, whether it's done deliberately through disinformation campaigns or whether it's an accidentally with misinformation campaigns. And we've seen, or well, we could potentially see uh, disinformation campaigns that are exceptionally complex, um, very influential. Um, because they are able to be designed by artificial intelligence to, for very specific audiences. Uh, we've already seen a use of that in the 2016 election in the US with, you know, and with the Brexit uh, decision here in the UK with targeted advertising and analysis of, of, um, uh, uh, of social media feeds and buzzwords and that. That is all, we've already seen the potential of that. Um, and at what point, for example, um, do these become super influential and not just influence a small amount of people, but the entire population? Uh, and, and there's been con some con uh, considerable concern within the uh, academic field um, about the suggestion that students can use things like ChatGPT4 to write their essays for them. But actually, um, I've sort of explored this, and there's a great deal of, 
of footnotes, for example, that don't exist on these essays that are produced. So, and it's again, it goes back to the information that it uses. It's it's if it sees information, it doesn't apply the contextual analysis for it. Um, and so, that's my major concern about it is is around misinformation, disinformation. Um, in terms of, do I see? Do I see killer robots on, on the battlefield? No, not not at this moment in time. I work in a military institution. I I, I don't don't see that as being an option. Do I see that as being a potential tool for the military? Yes, but not one that is not under the control of humans. You you just said you work with the military, the Royal Air Force. What do you teach in terms of this subject from an ethical perspective? Um, well, not a great deal, to be perfectly honest. And, and and the reason for that is because there are other guidances around uh, military action. So the laws of armed conflict, international uh, laws that guide what decisions can be made. Um, I think that we are uh, quite unique in an age where we are starting to hold to account leaders, military leaders that uh, that are uh, uh, responsible for um, immoral acts in conflict, etc. And so these officers that we teach at the Royal Air Force are guided as much by those as by AI. Whether we will have to, when IA becomes even more of a tool for the Royal Air Force, whether we need to address that directly that will probably come. But I don't see that uh, to be an immediate issue. I think there are other, as I said before, there are, other, there are other parts of legislation and regulations that can influence how we use AI without the need for introducing even more regulation. You had mentioned before that your prime minister is, is meeting with President Biden. What do you think is going to come out of that meeting in regards to this issue? Um, they're both, they're on polar opposites in terms of what should be done, but do you think there'll be a middle ground here? What do you think will happen? Um, Well, I I think, so I think there might be, um, I think Sunak might be willing to make some compromise with Biden. Biden, Biden, of course, has has got a a record of reaching across the political divide and making compromise. We've just seen that with the debt ceiling being increased in the U.S., uh, but he's had a history throughout his senatorial career of working with, with Republicans, you know, those who are ideologically opposite, uh, to ensure that something gets done. And I think that there might be enough political pressure on Sunak to come away from this meeting with something that is beneficial to increase his chances of, of re-election, although that is looking unlikely, should we say, at the next election, which you know, is not, not at least until, I think, January 25, I think, is the earliest that... that election could be called um so i think that he may try and reach across the divide and then something might be done um but i think that it's likely to perhaps look back towards the eu and see what the eu is doing and because the eu are far more advanced in their talks and discussions on this than anybody else so maybe see what the eu is actually going to come out of this and, and, and where it goes and then have something that is comparable to that. In a few minutes we have left, you had said 
you know, when you're looking at the United States, China, United Kingdom, and there are going to be other nations that want to get into AI, it's going to be a free-for-all at some point. That's just the way things are going to align themselves geopolitically. If you had to project out, let's say 20 years from now, where are we with AI politically, but also in terms of who will have the most clout when it comes to this? Because it seems to me who has the most clout in this or the most power in this is going to have a lot of influence over world events. I I think that we will. Uh, uh, I mean, in terms of, of of the big two, should we say? I don't. I think it would still be United States and China. I think I think that would still be the same. Whether it's the United States and then China, or China and the United States, that remains to be seen. I think China is has the because of the way its its economy and, and government is set up, it has, has has the potential to invest more heavily in terms of of its GDP in, in, into, into AI. Um, whether there is some sort of international set of norms that are established at the UN um, in much the same way that we have tried to establish sort of cyber norms, how nations uh, uh, interact within, the cyber, within cyberspace is, is possible. Um, but it's taken a great deal for the world to actually get towards those cyber space norms um, maybe it will see the potential damage that, uh, that AI can do to actually bring everybody to the table um, but if you are for example China and there is a potential of you overtaking your your uh, ideological and economic and political rival why would you? Um, you know, that's the thing. You know, uh, you know, why would you want to give up a, a potential advantage, um, uh, unless, of course, uh, you have uh, a leader who is willing to put um, global issues first ahead of uh, uh, national issues? Uh, and we don't have many of those around nowadays, unfortunately. We have fewer and fewer of those. Uh, so I, I don't see that we will be. Um, there may be a. a regulations on how it can be used but we use ai every day anyway you you go online you use chatbots that that's that's ai if and if we you know believe mr mccarthy or professor mccarthy you know we use them with our thermostat so it's it's just how that ai is applied is is i think that there may be regulations behind that maybe there will be a restriction on the military use of ai but who's to know uh, you know, and and why would you want to give up that advantage for somebody else to develop it without you knowing? It's it's uh, will we have an international artificial intelligence commission like we do with the atomic energy? Possibly, possibly. We spent a lot of time talking about the potential negative aspects of AI, but there are positive benefits to it as well. What what are some of the positive benefits of AI? Oh. Well, I think there's quite a few. Um, I think really for me, the big the big one that I'm I'm hopeful of, and I think we actually started to see some of those developments is, is within health and medicine. Um, so, 
Uh, we saw recently, uh, very recently actually, in the US and Canada, development of antibiotics to treat uh, superbugs, which, you know, it's, it, it, it wasn't that it, humans wouldn't have got there, but the ability of AI to cut down this waiting time or the development time and to analyze this information quicker to reduce the options is something that I am hopeful for in terms of, you know, potential, um, uh, 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 potential uh, 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 action on cancer, for example, or dementia. Uh, you know, uh, uh, these are really the last great health risks that we see as, uh, as a society. I also think it's it's going to be is probably going to be quite transformative in the workplace as well. We may well see, dare I say it, um, uh, and this may bring up a cheer in some quarters, but we may see the reduction in the number of lawyers, for example, because AI can analyse you know, legal text a lot quicker. Um, we may see um, benefits in terms of military decisions being made a lot quicker. Um, not by AI, but by military officials with the support of, of that. Um, and I, I think that there, there is, you know, there's a discussion amongst the intelligence community, which, which, you know, about how it will allow human intelligence officers to concentrate um, on the jobs that only humans can do. Um, and AI can allow them, to, uh, AI can do that by focusing on the more mundane and long-winded tasks that take a lot of time of, of intelligence officers. And so I think that, that that might be something that will benefit as well. Um, where it goes within our, our normal life, I'm not quite sure. I, I couldn't have predicted how the World Wide Web uh, would, have, would have changed our life when I first started using Windows back in 1993. You know, it was... It, this is, uh, it's, it's nowhere near what I imagined it to be. So for our, our listeners, balance it out for me. AI, on the whole good or on the whole, let's be careful. Yes, uh, is, is, is the answer. Uh, it can be good, but we need to be careful. I, I, I've, got, I've become more optimistic as my life has continued, I think I'm more of an optimist. I, 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 I'd like to think that the future is more Star, uh, Star Trek than Star Wars. Um, that 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 we have a, a, a that we have technology that can remove uh, want, hunger, and famine in the future, rather than one that is going to drive uh, uh, nations apart. And, and I'd like to think that that's where we're going to go. Uh, it make it you know it's optimistic and it's utopian, but. I, I think that there is that potential. It's down to those that develop it to invest the, the morality and values into uh, their learning models. Dr. David Townley has been our guest today. He's the teaching fellow from the University of Portsmouth in the United Kingdom. And Dr. Townley, I want to thank you for joining me today. Your insights on this issue are quite interesting and quite frankly, quite helpful going forward as we begin to think about this. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. And thank you for joining us today on the Aguilar Conversations, a global perspective. And join us next week as we again engage in another issue of international interest. Be well. We'll see you next week.